Hello, everybody. It is a crossover edition of the Locked On Big 12 and Locked On SEC podcast. My name is Josh Neighbors, host of Locked On Big 12, here with Chris Gordy, the host of Locked On SEC, your championship game preview from both the Big 12 and the SEC side for all of you out there uh, coming your way. So much to break down. And Chris, I have to start with this. It, we did not think it was going to be Big 12 against SEC. I think we felt like kind of the – and we'll see if it's, it turns out to be true, but maybe the de facto championship game was UGA against Ohio State. turned out to be an instant classic. But I think we kind of felt like we get the rematch of last year's semifinal with Georgia and Michigan. Has not panned out that way. Do you think Georgia fans are happy that they're seeing TCU in the championship game, or do you think they'd rather be playing Michigan? Yeah, I think, you know, if you ask any Georgia fan, they, they they open as two touchdown favorites. Of course, this is the team they want to see. This is the easiest path. Um, I do think TCU is is better than maybe some fans are giving them credit for. And, you know, I do think maybe if things go right for them, they could find themselves in this game. But, uh, yeah, I think just on the surface, Georgia Bulldogs or fans are looking at this game going, ah, easy pat, one hand behind tied behind our back. We can beat TCU. And it's been interesting that line, you know, our friends at bet online, I think opened right around 13 and a half. And I, th- I think it's already gone down about 12 and a half. It's, it's starting to move. The money's starting to move. People are going it's a lot of points to give, uh, to give Georgia. So, um, you know, I, the, the bigger thing to me, Josh, is I was just so happy. We finally got two, two competitive semifinal games because since the start of the playoff, the semifinal games have largely been blowouts. I mean, Bama, Kansas State the other night, that was basically how the playoff, the semifinals have been playing out. It was good to see two highly competitive games that both games came down to the wire. And, you know, you said Georgia, Ohio State was the de facto championship. I mean, TCU, Michigan was a hell of a game down to the end. So, um, yeah, I think I was just so pleased that we finally got two games like that. But to answer your question, yeah, I think Georgia fans are, are ecstatic they got TCU. But I would just say, word of caution, Bulldog fans, if you start overlooking TCU and getting a little too confident, this team has been sneaky good all year. And anytime people have counted them out, I was one of the people who said, oh, they're going to go into Austin. Texas is going to get that monster win. And they found a way to rise to the occasion. They've done it every week. And don't count out the Horn Frogs. Yeah, and also, if you want to get action in this game, bet online. That is the place to go do it. They'll have first half, second half. Uh, you know, if you guys want to go player props, they probably aren't up yet. They usually wait on those, especially though the fact that we have some injuries, which we'll get to here in a little bit. Um, that's the place to do it, bet online. Chris, I want to ask you. So you cover, obviously, the league, and I think passing the torch in the league, it's also the passing the torch in the sport. Bama has been the dominant program. Um I think the question a lot of people want to know is what they win next Monday night. Does Georgia take that mantle? Does the, you know, does the uh, Padawan become the master, if you will? Does Kirby Smart take that role? Does Georgia football take that role as the new standard in the sport? Because it's not just the two championships, right? It's also, I mean, the fact that they, they came pretty damn close <laughs> before, right? Uh, you know, the one year obviously with Alabama, but like this is a team that has just, you know, been really close and obviously they won too, especially with Stetson better than quarterback. I know he's been good this year, but still they able to accomplish that. I mean, it feels like they are the ones now who are kind of the standard bearer. Yeah, and somebody asked me uh, earlier today, they said if if they win this, is Stetson Bennett the best quarterback in the history of Georgia? And I said, you know, it's funny, guys. 
guys like Aaron Murray have already said he's better than I ever was. I don't know if Matthew Stafford's ever come out and said anything, but it, like, how do you argue with the only guy to win two national championships at Georgia? I, I, it's again, is he flashy? Do his numbers wow you? They've been very good. I mean, he was invited to, to the Heisman ceremony and, I just feel like people continually to uh, discount Stetson Bennett. All he does is answers the bell and goes out there and performs. I mean, you know, last week when his team needed it most, he put the team on his back. They went down the field and got the game, the go-ahead touchdown. So uh, it, it, that's an interesting one if they win this. But you're right. Yeah, I mean, it, there was a shifting in the dynamic. We've become so accustomed with Nick Saban every year. Either Saban's playing in the playoff and playing for a title, or, you know, they, they they take a year off and then the next year they bounce back and they're in the title game and probably winning it. it it's been this constant cycle for about the past decade. And now there's been a shift in the dynamic. And Kirby Smart, you know, he played for one a couple of years ago. Last year, finally broke through and won it. This year, he finally breaks through and wins an SEC title and in the national championship with a chance to win back to back. I don't know how you don't say that they are in the driver's seat and, you know, start throwing the word, the word, word dynasty around with an opportunity for, for Georgia to really be in the driver's seat moving forward as the dynamic uh, dominant program in the SEC. Now, now the be- best thing about the SEC is at times it's been cyclical. When the SEC dominance started in the early 2000s, it was LSU first breaking through, then Florida won a couple championships, then, then LSU won again in 07. And then Bama started in, you know, that 09, 2010, that, that whole run where they started playing for him. But Georgia's kind of flipped the script now. And here we are, Kirby with a chance to win back-to-back. And, uh, yeah, it, it could be everyone, instead of everyone chasing Bama every year, it could be everybody chasing Kirby and Georgia. Yeah, and he won't have the number, obviously, that close to what Nick has. But back-to-back is back-to-back, right? I mean, it's it's tough to argue with that, those kind of results. As as Georgia comes into this game, you know, I think about this team compared to last year's team. This team to me is not not anywhere near as good as last year's team. Uh, I think last year's team, especially on defense, a little – I mean, I know the numbers for them are good this year, but like that last year with the number of guys that they had that were first round, with five first round picks, I believe, off that defense uh, last year, it feels like – especially like they've been had a couple times on, on defense – that LSU game, uh, I had somebody push back on this. That was that was a little sideways for that defense. I mean, that last drive that LSU had at the end of the half, and then the next few drives they had, like three or four drives after that, they were all essentially 50-plus yard drives at either end of the touchdown. They had the one that ended in a fourth down stop, you know, near the goal line. Um, but this defense, not quite as good. The offense, though, with Stetson is a bit more ex- – they can be a bit more explosive, I feel like, uh, yeah, the- at times. That's the difference. The offense is better. The defense may be a step behind. Now, I will say, um, you know, after the Georgia Tech game, all-encompassing on the season, the defense had been basically, you know, almost as dominant in terms of points allowed. It was them in Illinois right at the top in terms of least But about- the, But did you feel like watching it eye test-wise that they they – terrified you as much as last year's defense did no because they were missing pieces right I mean you know all those first round picks they had a year ago and then they lose Nolan Smith midway through the season I mean they lost guys but they've had dudes step up Christopher Smith has been a monster back there Small Munden's been you know a stud linebacker everywhere Jamin Dumas Johnson I mean they've got so many pieces Keely Ringo I thought had a great year until the LSU game and the Ohio State game he was you know as good as it gets in that secondary Malachi Starks stud freshman um, you know, in the secondary. So they've got some pieces, but you're right. I said it after the LSU game, 
you know, that second half where Garrett Nussmeyer, the backup, comes in the SEC championship game and starts torching the Georgia secondary. I said, man, C.J. Stroud is watching this, taking notes, going, we got something here. We're going to yeah. put up two points on Georgia. And they absolutely did. And I know Sonny Dykes and Max Duggan are sitting there going, look, you know, they're looking at their offensive line right now going, if you guys give us time, if you can hold back big, bad Jalen Carter and open up some some running lanes and then give us that pass protection, there's some plays to be had here because we know how good uh, TCU's receiving core is. And so, yeah, I think TCU's, and we'll get to, you know, keys to a victory, but I think their path here is making it a shootout like it was against Michigan, like Ohio State had last week against Georgia. And then injury wise, where are we with the, with the dogs? I, I know they were they were pretty banged up actually coming out of that game. Uh, it feels like in terms of you know where they want to where they want to be and and uh, where they were. I know they had some injuries going into it, but it sounds yeah. like they're a little bit banged up. The biggest ones: Warren McClendon has been banged up, the the uh, offensive lineman, and you know every week Kirby saying we're hopeful to get him back, and then you know we we just see we don't see him. Um, Darnell Washington, the tight end, you know, they, they have the two best tight end combo between Brock Bowers and Darnell Washington. Washington got hurt this past week, um, and, and left the game. And my thought was watching him limp around. I'm like, there's no way he plays on Monday. Well, then it came out that it was a little more soft tissue and that there is a chance to, to, for him to, to play on Monday. So that's significant. Good- if he plays, that is a, it's a big difference. Yeah. Oh, he's, he's a mat. Him and Brock Bowers are just matchup nightmares. They were too right. big body physical tight ends that are just impossible to cover you put a corner on them you put a slow linebacker on them it's just impossible to cover them and then Chaz Chambliss uh the outside linebacker again sounds like they, they say they're hopeful to get all those guys back for Monday so Kirby always holds his cards close to the vest he'll never say a guy is absolutely out um they'll just say we're hopeful to get them all back but sounds like there's a chance that you know not all those guys play on Monday uh, all right, so quick word from our sponsors here on today's show. We are brought to you all by Built Bar. If you guys want a delicious treat, whether it be halftime of game or uh, after a workout or after a meal, Built Bar is the place to go. They've got the Built Go, the Built Boost, the Built Puffs, the Built Bars themselves. You guys can try them all at Built Bar uh, right now. Go to BuiltBar.com. Looking for that delicious treat, but don't want to get all that fat and calories. You have to go and try Built Bar. They have just a whopping 17 or they have whopping 17 grams of protein, only 130 calories and four grams of sugar. You guys can also find them at Sam's Club. Look at that, Sam's Club. So you can buy them in bulk and buy those variety packs. Go to built.com today. It's built.com. Use the promo code LOCK15, L-E-C-L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, LOCK15 for 15% off today. All right, Chris, what do the folks want to know about the Horn Frogs besides they're scrappy? Yeah, I think the the key to me is if you're a Georgia fan, what are you worried about? It's it's Max Duggan and, you know, that offense, how are they able to put up 50 points against a really good Michigan defense? And, you know, um, I, I guess start with up front. You know, how good is an offensive line? How are they able to, to plug and play different running backs and still be effective back there? Um, because as we know, you know, the SEC, you, you want to stop the run and, and run the ball effectively on the other team. But um, what's, you know, the biggest challenge up front for TC or, or for Georgia and slowing down the TC run attack and getting after Max Duggan? Yes, I would say like I would say the one thing I feel like Michigan did was kind of overestimate how or underestimate TC, but overestimate their advantage that, at that point of the game, because the entire game TC was tougher on both lines of scrimmage which I think is reflection of like 
not of how TC is great. It's, it's awesome. But TCU has been had at both lines of scrimmage, before, you know, this season. And so the fact that Michigan was not the tougher team uh, it was surprising, but the fact that they got pushed around and look, this is an offensive line that, you know, I think Georgia will not underestimate them. So I think it's a challenge for them this week. I think it's a big challenge for them this week on how are they going to block Georgia? And also Georgia made a concerted effort last week to bring the heat um, and, and make Stroud uncomfortable because he had been bad in those situations earlier in the season and, and Michigan gave particular rights earlier a couple weeks ago. And do they have to do that? Because you know this, Chris, like generally speaking, they don't like to bring a ton of pressure. That's actually not a lot of the times the Kirby smart defenses do. They they've done a great job of using their speed, keeping everything in front of them and executing from that standpoint. So I'm wondering what the pressure situation is going to be there. Max handles pressure pretty well, but like if, I mean, if you're on him, you're on him. Uh, you know, he's, he's not Houdini. He's not Mike Vick. You know, he's not one of those guys where it's like, oh my God, all the time. Like how the hell did he make this play? He's, he's got good awareness. He can pick things up, but he actually is pretty good at knowing when to shut it down. Like if I had to take a sack, I'll take a sack. So I'm curious to see how Georgia, what they do in the pressure. If they say, okay, can we get three or four guys, you know, four guys home uh, originally could get three guys home originally. If not, do we start bringing stuff? So I'm curious there. I think the one big advantage they have is like their skill players are, they play in the SEC. Like all of these guys would. Quentin Darius, Johnson. Yeah, Quentin Johnston. That, that's the one thing I think it scares me the most if you're a Georgia fan. We've seen elite wide receivers really take it to, to Keely Ringo, right? I mean, we saw Marvin Harrison last week. Was he on who is who was he checking in the LSU game? You'd know better than me. Uh Butte and and neighbors were both um, you know, they were both kind of getting theirs. But, yeah. but it's so funny. Prior to that game, I'd raved about Keely Ringo all year. Right. And, and so it's were these last two games anomalies? And, and to your point, if you're Georgia, you maybe think about double teaming Quentin Johnson, bracket him and take him away and force Max to throw it to somebody else. Yeah, and that's the thing is on the opposite side, Savion Williams didn't have a really nice game, but when they when defenses pay more attention to Johnston, like you're talking about, they'll find Savion Williams. Darius Davis has track speed. I mean, serious track speed. He is the player, for those who don't know who had the ball hit his chest and, and, and jump off. But, you know, this guy is a tremendous special teams player. Tay Barber, another real burner that they've got there. Uh, you know, and also mentioned Savion Williams too. And then Hudson, the freshman they've, they've had, he's played pretty well here, especially as of late. So they've got a variety of guys, not to mention Amari DiMercato. They've used the passing game some, but came in to spell Kendra Miller. Had over 100 yards rushing, right? The, the one thing that was big there was the fumble that he had, but everything else looked pretty good. So I would say the one thing people kind of keep missing out or not talking about here is this, this skill set, the skill group that they've got, it's diverse. You they, they know that teams want to take away Quentin Johnston, and that's why Max will look for Savion Williams. Actually, before sometimes, he looks for a Quentin Johnston. So – that is one advantage that I think they have. And George will be ready for all the guys, but they're going to make you cover all the guys, which you can't do on every single play, and especially modern college football with spacing. The, the one thing I look at with Max Duggan, all year long he took care of the football, but most recently he throws a pick in the uh, the Big 12 title game and then two picks this past week. Against yeah, neither neither of which were, were his fault, but yes, sure. he has been killed sometimes. Yeah. But I look at it as, like, if I'm looking at numbers and stats, like path to a victory for Georgia, I think if Max Duggan has two picks or more this week, it, it, Monday night, 
it's a Georgia win, right? It's curtains. Yeah, that, that's TCU. And this this is where I get frustrated with people saying Michigan choked the game away. TCU had three pretty bad turnovers. Like three, three. I mean, that ball hit Darius Davis squarely in the chest. Uh, you could have called holding or DPI on the first pick that he threw. And then DeMarcado just turfed it, you know, and, and Kendra Miller turfed the one where he got hurt too. So that could have been another turnover. It wasn't like TCU was taking excellent care of the football either. So I think for sure, you know, TCU, one of the priorities has to be winning the turnover battle. You have to be a net positive in that category if you, if you want to win the game. Uh, no doubt about that. And for, it sounds like running back will be, Marcado again yeah I'm a little I'm a little skeptical Kendra Miller is going to be a hundred percent I he was banged up going you know going into like the last like month or so of the season um I think people I think people underrate how important it is established to run for this team it, it's there have been times where they like com- Garrett Riley has like completely forgotten about it and then the second half starts and it's like run 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 and it's just they they kill teams up front because they're not ready for it um, so having Kendra as kind of the punisher, like, I don't think they're going to have that. And that's a huge, huge loss for them. DeMarcado is pretty good, but it's a bit thinner behind that. So it sounds like whatever they can get out of Kendra would be great. Maybe, maybe 10 to 15 carries, but I think we'll see a whole lot of DeMarcado. And so I actually think that's going to make them pass the ball a bit more. Uh, he's actually pretty good in the passing game from what, from what you see about tech game, cut a really nice touchdown, had used them all game, they used them all of a sudden, and he's not always great in pass protection. So I think it's something they're going to use more in the passing game. So I, I think, I think TCU might just try to actually big 12 this one. They, they might try to air it out uh, a bit more, especially if Kendra, if he's not hundred percent. We'll use this opportunity to thank you guys for making your first listen every day, either locked on sec or locked on big 12 and, Josh, let's get into it. Our predictions for the game. How do we see this one playing out? The more and more I start to play it out in my head, Josh, I've followed the Georgia formula for much of this year. So many times they've gotten up on an opponent early, you know, and and I look at this almost as, man, if they go down and get points on the first couple of drives and they've got something like a 14-3 lead early, man, they're going to go to that three-headed running attack. They're going to go to Kenny McIntosh, Jayshon Edwards, Kendall Milton. They're going to bleed the game out. You know, they're going to run that clock. They're going to keep coming at you, fighting for those first downs, wear down that TCU defensive front. And if that happens, if that's how it plays out, man, it just is a recipe uh, disaster for TCU because Georgia will keep coming and keep coming at you and uh, running the ball. And then Stetson Bennett choosing the spots. Keep in mind, they really they got that passing game going last week. Arian Smith uh, having his breakout game as a Georgia Bulldog over 100 yards and a touchdown. Uh, and then all the other guys, uh, uh, A.D. Mitchell and Kiaris Jackson and Rosemary St. Uh, Jack St. All these guys that, uh, you know, when they are when they need a play to be made, they're there. And Stetson Bennett knows how to get them the ball. So um, that's kind of how I see this one playing out. If Georgia falls behind early, I'm not worried. I think Georgia has shown time and time again against Kent State uh, at Missouri earlier this year. And then this past weekend against Ohio State, they know how to come back. No deficit is too big for them. And they're not afraid to run the ball either. Hey, down double digits, we don't care. We're going to run the ball because that's what we do. And, um, yeah, so I would say for me, for TCU, it would be incumbent on them to take an early lead and put the pressure back on Georgia. If Georgia gets that early lead, man, that's what they love to do. Grind it out, run the ball, eat up clock. I've got Georgia doing that, and I've got Georgia winning 31-17. to 
Yeah, so it's it's really it's very interesting because TCU like they love to get hit. It, even if you saw it against Michigan, when they were up, they were like, "Hit us, please, hit us back." So they kind of thrive in that zone. The more I think about the matchup, though, it's so Georgia. It's so Georgia heavy, especially if Dornell Washington plays. Twelve personnel really does well against three three fives, um, just because. All right, so who's like in three three five? Who's covering the linebacker or who's covering the tight ends? Excuse me, like. Do, you know, you committed a lot of your linebackers last week to stopping the run. That's important, but also you've got two tight ends you have to look out for. Darnell Washington, like when he catches the ball, man, he's a great blocker, but he's just throwing people off of him. So you have to mark him with somebody, right? And obviously, you know, you have to mark uh, Brock Bowers. I th- I think the one kind of upsetting thing for TCU is like their advantage at corner with Hodges, Tomlinson, and Newton, it's good, but that's really not where Georgia made like on the outside. We saw it some last week, but this season, Chris, it's not really where they've made their money is, is the outside with the passing attack. So TCU is going to need to be creative with their corners by how they use them maybe more effectively at times, just so they're not standing out there doing nothing all game. Right. I mean, just, you know, as, as you know, the, the guys who split out wide are just decoys. So I think that's a big, it's a big advantage that, that we've yet to mention about this. Um, I'm going to take TCU to cover. I think Georgia wins. I think TCU covers though, just because they play close games. Like they're so good at responding. Like whatever the adjustment has to be on the next drive, they always find it. Every single time they've had to find it at some point this year, they have found it. Whether it's the Kansas State game, the Texas game, they found it all game. Well, that game honestly should have been 17 3 in the end. Uh, the Baylor game, obviously, they found the adjustment. The Texas Tech game, they found the adjustment. The West Virginia game, they found the adjustment. So this team lives in the we have to adjust mode. So I'm going to say Georgia 34, TCU 20, 27 maybe. And maybe it's a late score. It gets us to 27, you know, but I think TCU, I think TCU does cover. I just don't really know what it looks like, but seeing TCU get, get blown out at this point, Chris, would frankly be odd. That's kind of how I feel at this point of the season. Uh, And and give me real quick your key matchup to watch just in terms of position on position. To me, I I think it's the TCU linebackers. How, you know, if they're big, bad, and physical, and they're coming through those gaps and slowing down, look, all you can do is hope to slow down the Georgia run game. You're not going to shut it down. But, you know, hold them to two and a half yards a carry, three yards a carry, something like that, as opposed to if Georgia midway through this game is averaging – four and a half, five and a half yards per carry, that's danger territory for TCU. If I can fill those gaps and they're coming up and making those those plays, uh, I think the TCU linebackers are, are going to have to play a big role to uh, slow down that that uh, Georgia run game and, and force some punts and get that ball back for the TCU offense. Yeah, I want to see I want to see McClendon, uh, McClendon for Georgia up against Dylan Horton. Dylan Horton off the edge for TCU the last two games, Kansas State and then Michigan. He had four sacks against Michigan. He had two against K-State. He had four fumble against Michigan too. So if we're talking a three-man front and you got a guy who's causing problems in a three-man front, like that's a huge problem for your offensive line and for your offense. Does Horton look normal or like a guy that doesn't even exist? Or is he going to be the one-man wrecking crew on the edge he's been the last two games? Because if that goes TCU's way – Chris, you can throw out the window. This is a different football game. This is a completely different football game. If they have a guy in a three-man rush that they're able to get home, they blitzed a lot last week, uh, you know, doing some different stuff. But still, if one of those edge guys like Horton gets home and he's a relentless guy, that changes the dynamic of the game. 
And because, like you mentioned, kind of the mismatch is, is, is kind of there, TCU is going to need somebody to change the dynamic of the game. Uh, the TCU front last week didn't have the game. They played well, but not the game of their lives. This is one of those weeks where it's like, it has to be the game of your life. Yeah. And uh, another, guy, be- another guy I thought played really well last last week on the left side of that line, Xavier Truss for uh, – for Georgia, he was impressive, and I think some people even gave him, you know, yeah, player the offensive lineman player of the week, just saying right. you know, how good he was. And so, yeah, man, this is going to be a lot of fun. I can't wait to see it. Uh, don't don't believe the uh, the the betting line. You know, we never they put that out there, but we don't know how this thing plays out until we get out there. And it could be one of those we're sitting back going, "How did TCU win? Did TCU really just win a national championship?" So, uh, I don't think we're saying that. We're both predicting Georgia, but that's what makes the college football season so so fun. Is you never know any given day, anybody can upset anybody. Yeah, and, and Chris, hey, I mean, I I said the TCU is under on the win total this year. I actually I did not think they'd make a bowl game. That's that's where I was with TCU to start the season. So uh, it's it's and it's cool that we're here with this team, right? I mean, it's and also with Georgia too. Like people are saying, Stetson, why are you back? So yeah. you know, it's like you might get some people were worried he might get replaced during the season. Yeah, and that's what makes us so fun. And, and really, had you asked me before the season, hey, pick a Big Twelve team that could play in the national championship, I would have said Baylor, Texas, Oklahoma State. Oklahoma, maybe with Venables. I mean, there were so many teams I would have run through before I got to TCU. So that's just a credit to Sonny Dykes and what a fantastic job he's done this year. Yeah. And then, you know, Bryce Young is maybe the best quarterback Bama's had. They only make the playoff. Stetson Bennett's back again. So I'm fired up for it. Chris, where can people find you and your work and all of its variety? Yeah, locked on SEC, talking all things SEC, and of course, uh, you know we'll have two new members here very soon from the Big Twelve, Texas and Oklahoma coming over. So encourage anybody who loves the Big Twelve, but you might be a UT or or a Sooner fan, come on over to our side, locked on SEC. Yeah, we're, we can't wait to get them out, uh, especially because they're not relevant anymore. So you you can have them. Uh, you guys can find me on You're Twitter. BYU, at BYU, all right. <laughs> you guys can find us on Twitter at LO Big Twelve. You guys can find me at Josh Neighbors underscore uh you guys can find the show wherever it's your podcast you guys can find both locked on sec and locked on big 12 on youtube and wherever you guys find your podcast in case you can't catch the video version chris let's see what happens we had one game left in the season fired up for tcu and georgia on monday night can't wait